Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. Today I'm here with Twan. Hello. And Isan. Hey everybody. We are here to discuss the first round of the UCI Cyclocross World Cup and that took place in Waterloo. It's already evening for us but with all the love we make this podcast because we were treated with some great racing and Isan will tell us about what happened in the men's race. Yeah, indeed, in the men's race, we saw a very strong start from Quinten Hermans. Uh, Van Turenhout was able to follow. Behind that, it was Van der Haar and Bastans that, that were also able to, to show themselves in the first lap. Hermans was able to, to break, actually, from, from the group. Only Van Turenhout was actually able to sit in his wheel. And, and then we saw in that first lap a little bit of rain coming down. We saw some drizzles on the camera lens. And, well, we were not really thinking that that would hamper the race and how wrong we were. Because in the second lap, on on the asphalt descent, when they're going up the the hill to you know to run on it, a few crashes occurred with Quinton Harmons, who was leading that race at that moment, uh, crashing. Also, Nice Thibaut Nice was also crashed crashed there. Tonarch crashed there as well, and that actually influenced the race quite a lot. Because uh, one of the guys that had a bad start in the beginning of the race was able to capitalize on that, and that was Elizabeth, because he was nowhere in the first lap. Uh, but after the crashes, he, you know, he came through the field very quickly. Van Turnhout was up front. He had a gap, but he threw away his gap um, uh, to Izerbit because he crashed as well in that second lap, and it was a madness. A lot of a lot of things happened in 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 that in those two laps. It's very hard to to summarize, but in the end, it was Van Turnhout and Izerbit that got away uh, as a duo, and behind them, it was actually Van der Haar that that tried to to bridge. Uh, to them uh, and Quinton Hermans that had a pretty you know pretty bad crash as well uh, recovered uh, came to Van der Haar and then was like well I have to maybe try myself and get back to those guys he came pretty close to 16 seconds a real fighting spirit from him uh, but in the end he was not really able to get closer to Iserbeet and Van Turenhout or at least not to Iserbeet because Iserbeet saw the danger and then attacked from Van Turenhout in a way and was able to 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 get away. Hermans came cre- pretty close to Van Turenhout, but in the end was just not close enough. And Van Turenhout maintained that second place. So in the end, it was Iserbeet that won in Waterloo with Van Turenhout in second and uh, the great fighter in third in the name of uh, Quinten Hermans. Let's start by talking about that beginning of the race. You mentioned it in your summary. We saw that rapid start by Quinton Hermans, and we are used to that start by Quinton Hermans. But usually, well, he is a rapid starter, but you can see like this long chain of riders in his wheel. But today was different. He immediately opened the gap, only Van Turenhout able to follow. That was really impressive to see, in my opinion. Yeah, it definitely was, and I, I think... What what was very uh, important in in that start to see as well was that there was you know Fanturna was able to follow and Izerbit was not there, Tonars was not there, Van der was not there, and Fanturna immediately when in the first lap when they passed, you know, uh, Quinten Hermans asked him to 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 you know to relay with him, but he was not willing to do so uh, because Izerbit was behind and and Hermans instead of you know not relaying or not really pushing uh, to. Uh, to let Van, der ha- Van Turnhout sit in his wheel, he just continued to f- to to pay. So he he felt very strong, and yeah, up until that crash, he was uh, in control of the race. Yeah, about that crash, it was a really chaotic part of the race because we saw a bit of drizzle, and all of a sudden it started pouring down. And there was this section, I think it was right at the back of the track factory, and they 
came like from the grass in a downhill onto tarmac which was downhill before they went to the steep hill and this was like so slippery i don't know perhaps there was some kind of oil or whatever there but riders were falling everywhere we saw first already a bit of a slip by von Turenhout who was leading then it was Hermans going down followed by Arts going down in the first corner of that section when Arts was gone Nice went down later on Verstringer also went down and there were a couple of other riders who also went down who I do not know the names of but it basically to me looked like I was watching a Formula 1 race where everyone was on dry tires and it started pouring down it was certainly a hard uh, moment to adapt, I think, for everyone in the race, uh, which I, I think it's really fun to see. Usually we either have a completely dry race or like on a slipperier surface because earlier rain or it's like completely raining the whole time. And it, it was really interesting to see how uh, who, who coped best with it. It was, of course, really unfortunate to see some of the riders crash in this uh, adaptation process. Yeah, probably the riders who took the biggest hit, biggest hits were Nice and Verstringen. They were Nice DNF the race. He probably broke his collarbone. That is what the reports from Play Sports has have told us. Verstringen also had a big hit. He, I think, he still continued, but he ended something like 40th out of 48 riders. So not great for him either. I mean, we can only hope that for Nice that it isn't the collarbone or that it's just. Uh, light fracture that he doesn't need to undergo surgery for it but he also i didn't mention this but it wouldn't surprise me if he, has a, if he also has a concussion because he hit that concrete wall very hard with his head yeah it was a nasty crash i think he crashed the hardest out of them all at least visually so yeah he he, he dnf'd immediately there he didn't try to get on up on his bike so i think he he, he must have been hurt quite badly in a way but when he was sitting uh, in, in, in that kind of car or whatever you want to call it, that kind of golf car in a way, um, probably back to the camper, he, he looked okay in a way. So I think, I, I don't think it's going to be a collarbone. You know, he didn't break his collarbone or fraction at least. I don't think that is the case. I think it's, it's you know, it's, it's pretty badly hurt and maybe his campaign in, in America is over. Yeah, you just know it's real bad when a cyclist doesn't like, gets up within the first five seconds right and try to grab their bike again yeah that's bad and especially the place where he was if you go through that corner you can't see him it was slippery so somebody could have gone down and smashed into him and that would have made it even more nasty he wasn't the first to go down there his teammate Don Arts went down before as I said there have been multiple things people said that it was the first rain in a long time which isn't true. It has been raining earlier this week there. That rain caused the top layer of the parkour already to vanish. And then the sun was on it, so it got baked out. You saw this path, actually, and then the grass was higher, so you could see that the top layer was gone there. If it then started raining, it becomes really slippery. So I reckon it was either there was some kind of oil there or any something that made it slippery. It was new tarmac, that's always slippery. Or perhaps they were just racing with tires with almost no pro profile maybe wrong tire pressure for those conditions who knows anyway Don Aerts going down there he also was hit bad he dropped back quite a few places I think he was 15th at some point after that crash and he couldn't get back into a rhythm after that which obviously isn't weird but after that in the second half of the race he recovered pretty well in my opinion I think he can be satisfied 
yeah, the most important thing here is just to limit the damage. And I think the bigger differences, of course, uh, can indeed be made now, but he can do a lot of damage limitation over like the Christmas period when the big three are back and he might be able to beat some of them unlike uh, some of the others. Well, definitely true. I mean, the calendar is long. I think this isn't a major hit to his overall ambitions because he finished sixth in the end, getting beaten by Niels van der Putten, who had a bad start because of his bad starting position. And then basically after that crash of Arch followed Arch to the front, Van der Putten ultimately outsprinted Arch with a very strong punch at the end of the race in that final straight, which is pretty short. He comfortably outsprinted Arch. He got fifth, which is his best World Cup result. I think both can be happy. And I mean, as we already said for Arch, there's still 15 World Cups left. There's no guarantee that Izabit won't have a race where he's either sick or has a crash or has a mechanical. Everything is wide open. Yeah, that sprint as well of Niels van der Putte. Very eager to uh, get that good placing. Really nice to see that ride by him. And hopefully he can continue these. Uh, yeah, I tend to notice van der Putte has a few of these good performances every once in a while. And uh, good to see he's able to reach uh, a fifth place in the World Cup here. Well, and then about Hermans and Van Tournaut, I mean, Hermans was the leader, or at least he was, I think he was leading at the moment when he crashed, or at least he was very close with Van Tournaut. He went down there, that wasn't a big hit, but later on he went down and tumbled over the banner, which was on a later part in the course, and I mean, Hermans, he also said it afterwards, and I, it really looked like that, he said he had one of the best days on his bike ever. And it did look like that. He looked super strong without those two crashes. I mean, I think he could have competed or maybe even comfortably have won this race. Yes, that second one looked a bit silly, right? It looked a bit like slow motion as he tumbled over. Like you saw it happening and you were like, oh, please hold it, hold it. But he wasn't quite able to. But yeah, he looked amazing today. And it's really unfortunate uh, that uh, he couldn't keep it upright uh, both times. Yeah, to explain a bit more, what happened there was it was in a downhill and coming out of a 180 degrees corner there, his back wheel slipped and he knew he was losing control. So he tried to correct it with like his body, but then he ultimately lost balance and tipped over and then his speed was already low as it was braking. Well, after all these crashes happened, we saw Eli Isabit storm to her front. Eli Isabit had a shocker of a start. I think it was around P12, P15, something between there after that start. But it basically, he basically cycled through all these crashes. All the riders around him crashed out. He overtook a couple of riders and then he thought, okay, it's been enough. I'm going to close that gap to Van Tournaut. And of course, Van Tournaut made it a bit easier by crashing himself. Yeah, and then... He continues to keep finding like better lines, getting there, and yeah, eventually you just notice that the race is only going one way, as Isabit is just finding more grip, more power, and uh, Van Tuenau didn't really stand a chance in the end, I think. There was also, um, I think, with Isabit that when when he way passed Groenendaal, they were they were talking something about tire pressure. He, he capitalized on, on the circumstances. He was uh, one of the few guys that was able to, you know, not make a mistake or a big mistake. And I, I think that gave him in the end the win. But overall, he was, especially in the end of the race, he looked very good. And I I think we, we missed out on a great battle between Hermans and, and uh, Izerbeet. 
maybe Tonarts as well, little, but you know, it's it's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, you could see Isabit was looking for more grass than Van Turenhout. I don't know what choices they made in terms of pressure and tires during the race. I'm 100% sure that everyone changed to at least lower tire pressure, but probably to another thread as well. We don't have information on that as there were no pit reporters here. But otherwise you don't go into the pits when it starts raining because it wasn't to get a clean bike. It was definitely some kind of change. But you could see Isabit was taking different lines and as Twan said, you had the feeling Isabit was really in control. And Van Tournout then in that downhill with that big rut in it, he started to struggle and ultimately he got distance once, managed to come back and then on another downhill he made a mistake. He forgot to shift gears and after the downhill he was stuck in a too big gear to come back up to speed on the off camber and then Isabit was gone and Van Turenhout almost got overtaken by Hermans but then he managed to repack himself and stay in front of Hermans. Van Turenhout of course skipped the Super Prestige and Gieten basically giving up his Super Prestige classification to be good in this race. Can he considering what he did or especially did not ride in Gieten can he be happy with his second place? Yeah, I have the feeling he was hoping for. He can be happy with it, but he said already before the season that he's going to, to skip a few races just to make sure that um, he's going to be ready when the season is going to be more packed. So I think there is a there is a bigger plan behind it, and it seems that probably is focusing on that World Cup in a way. Uh, there are 16 races, so it wouldn't be weird. Uh, I think a second place for him, or uh, yeah, second place for him is not going to be that bad. So yeah. It, it was probably the highest possible what he could achieve today. Yeah, I think Paul Sauer definitely made some choices. They are probably putting Sveik all in on the super prestige. Sveik isn't going to the United States. He says, well, I disagree with what he says. He said we are going to the United States for a couple of years now to promote our sport, but I don't see any talents coming through from the United States, so I think it's useless. Very short touch upon that. I think it's way too early to say that. Cross Vegas was the first World Cup in the United States. It was first on the calendar in 2015. It was later added with Iowa and then Vegas got replaced with Waterloo. This is just way too short. You could see today there were plenty of spectators. In my opinion, we had a nice course, but it just looks like Paul Sauer has made some choices. Van Tournaut is going for the World Cup. Sveik is going for the Super Prestige and Isabit is just going for everything as he is their best rider. Yeah, I think it's a bit... Um... It's always the same story when we ha we come closer to the American races in a way. Some of the the guys that are more you know that, that like Matt Penninga for example, they they always have some tendency to complain about these races, and then every year they they have the tendency to come back again. So I think they do something right in the states. And in my opinion, I was very happy. I I I loved it in a way. Um, I think there are obviously a lot of points that they can improve on. Even with the with the live feed, the camera work and stuff, I think they can work on that as well. Parkour was all right. There were some things that might be changed and adjust, ad adjusted in a way, but overall, you know, I think I think the the races in the states are amazing and very good for the sport. Yeah, and the races in the states are so much more than just the World Cup. I mean, where do you see legends of the sport like Sven Nijs dressing up like clowns and racing? against other people drinking beers after the race dressing like a pizza doing tricks on their bike sitting on the steer riding backwards 
I mean, it's just a great circus there. And I think it really is worth the trip. And yes, it is expensive for a team. And no, I do not blame riders if they don't go because of the high costs. But in my opinion, it would also be a bit pathetic to ask for the organizers to actually pay the teams to go. Because the Belgian team races, they don't pay for Philippe Orts to come from Alicante every week. They don't pay for Catablanca Vas to come. They don't pay for, I don't know who, for Pitcock to come, for Turner to come. They also have expenses. I guess it's maybe just part of it. And, I mean, of course, I do, can't look in their financing. But, I mean, there, there's also other riders that have gigantic costs. Yeah, we, we go now on a dangerous road in a way because we can have this discussion for a while. But I, I think that uh, that there are compromises that needs to be made to make the sport a little bit more, you know, um, to give it a, a bigger reach in a way. And I think one of the compromises should be the cost. I think they have the money to do it. It's not like they don't have the money, uh, especially the bigger teams. So, yeah, I, they, you know, you have to take a couple of things in consideration and maybe do the planning a little bit better because I think there is a lot of money to gain uh, going to the States and even to other countries. Anyway, we should return to the World Cup and Waterloo. Let's run down the entire top 10 then. Izebiet won in front of Van Toornhout and Hermans. Lars van der Haar riding a solid race in 4th place. Niels van der Putte 5th in front of Toon Aerts who ended 6th. 7th place for Vincent Baastans in front of Ryan Kamp. 9th place Jens Adams and Corne van Kessel rounds off the top 10. I would like to briefly touch upon Vincent Baastans. We have seen him race the US Cyclocross Series in the United States throughout the past couple of weeks winning four out of four races there. He ended seventh today. This is his second top 10 in a UCI World Cup, the other one being Coxide 2017, and it's his best result ever in a World Cup. I think he can be very happy. I mean, oftenly we talk quite jokingly about Bastans that he goes to these B-crosses and then wins there with com with like a huge margin. But I think today he rode a very good race and he can be happy with this result decision to uh, go very early to the united states clearly paying up adapting very well to the racing there uh, finding of course in the previous two weeks like similar kind of par courses as uh, the u.s cyclocross courses are a bit different build than the ones we have in belgium and yeah he's just taken it very well and uh, picked out one of the best results of his career then I would like to touch briefly upon a couple of names outside of the top 10. Kevin Kuhn in 13th, the first rider who isn't from the Netherlands or Belgium. He barely beats Kerry Warner and then Thijs Aarts 15th. But in 16th place, a very surprising name, Davide Toneati. I've seen his name come across a couple of times. I remember him being 4th, I think, in the World Cup of Namur as a junior. After that, I think I saw him race a couple of Italian races last year with Aru. But, I mean, especially for the mainstream cyclocross follower, this name is a big, big, big surprise. He was 12th at some point, usually in 15th, ultimately dropped back in the last couple of laps. Not strange in such a long race, but very surprising result by the just 20-year-old Italian. Hopefully a sign of things to come. This is really promising if you're able to do this on... Uh such a uh, big uh, scene 
Definitely, I've looked through his results and he's gotten a couple of podiums at the Under-23 National Championships. This year he was fourth in the Toy 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 Cup. So, fingers crossed that he can improve a bit and when we have the Under-23 World Cup, he can compete with the Belgians and Dutch. Well, I think we've covered it all for the men's race. Now we can talk about the women's race, which was even more exciting. Yeah, the women's race, we would have a very fast start by Magali Rochette. Um, but unfortunately she would draw back as uh, throughout the cross we had a group of seven women which would stretch out and come back together and stretch out but it was usually uh, Lucinda Brandt and Marianne Vos that were ahead Annemarie Worst sometimes managing to put herself up there Denise Betsema as well uh, Cataplanca Vos being close by Yolanda Neff and Elena Clausel the other two women who were usually more to the back end of that group but still very much in the race um, but throughout the race we really saw that Lucinda Brandt and Marianne Vos were slightly better than them. Um, Betsma having a mechanical really hindered her race quite a bit. But uh, Vos really mastering the art of sitting in second place this cross. And uh, she would come out in the final lap and beat uh, Lucinda Brandt. And it would be Betsma coming in third place. I think, first of all, we have to start by taking back our statements we've made in the preview podcast for, of the season and the preview podcast of the World Cup here in Waterloo about Foss. I mean, we were very harsh on her, or very harsh. We were pr- pr- pretty skeptical based on her previous season, but today she proved us very wrong. Yeah, this is one of the courses in the season where I would say this is one of the best for her, but... I did not expect this based on last year and it's really good to see that she is able to do this and hopefully she uh, can bring it on this season and challenge uh, the women. I mean, I definitely agree. This is a perfect course for her. She won here in 2018 as well. And I did expect her to be good. We know she was in great form. Second in Paris-Roubaix last week, second at the World Championships road a week before. I did expect her to come in the top 10. I would expect maybe a top 5. But she was really good. I mean, she was the only one able to follow Brandt. Throughout the entire race, I had the feeling Brandt and Voss are definitely the strongest. And Voss, she really could follow. And she barely made any mistakes. And riding a great tactical race as well. Like, like every time you looked at the screen, she would be... Uh, in second place basically it was just a a class performance in positioning yourself and then not committing any of the mistakes and saving the energy for that final lap for an all-out push for victory yeah i had the feeling that it was pretty tactical race brandt and Foss rode together and Foss really marked brandt knowing brandt was the strongest of course, Betsma was in the mix, but Betsma dropped her chain because she was shifting gears when she went through a bump and then her chain fell. She needed to get off, cost quite some time. But in my opinion, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I always had the feeling Voss and Brandt were the strongest, but because they were playing games and the others could come back, at some point you had the feeling, hmm, if they look at each other, maybe Neff, maybe Vorst, maybe Voss, maybe Clausel, maybe they can do something. Yeah, you were you were always in the race. It, it was always kind of catch up game in a way, and um, that was that was very nice to see. I think Foss made it very clear to Brandt that she was uh, very she trusted a lot in her sprint, and I think Brandt 
didn't really know what to do with it and yeah it was kind of the moment she saw that Foss is not really uh, helping her relaying uh, to keep it in front she just decided to uh, yeah to, to just keep the, the the pace drop again and then it was uh, for the others to to catch up and I think it was very uh, good to see that we could see um, Clozel and Fass and Neff as well as foreigners in the in the women's cyclocross a little bit uh, also in front and uh, you know we have a podium with only Dutch women but uh, it was definitely uh, very uh, good to see. Well, let's talk about Neff actually because she had a blistering start. She came storming through the outside, making it clear that she came here to race, then moved to the front. Ultimately, she could stick in the wheel of Betsma, who brought her back. I did see that Neff, I mean, you could clearly see, yes, she did the Trek CX Cup on Friday, which she won, but you could clearly see that she lacked a bit of rhythm on the cyclocross bike. She was a bit rusty. If I compare this to the Neff that won the GP so nice and bow, I can see that that Neff was a bit more and a bit finer technique. But this Neff here that I saw today, it gives potential because next time she can start on the first row. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, that Neff that that we saw in Bao, that was that was a, that was also a Neff that had done already a couple of races. So. It, like it will come in time, I think. And if she's, um, I, I don't really know what her plans are gonna be actually for for the cyclocross this season. At least I don't know what her campaign will be. I think she will do the other American races, but from there, I have no really an idea. Maybe she's gonna do a World Cup. Maybe she's gonna focus on 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 mountain bikes. She doesn't have a uh, an Olympic campaign or anything. It's basically only the World Cup mountain bike next year. So we will see what she she's gonna decide. But I really hope. That she's gonna do a little bit more races because I think that if she kind of gets the rhythm in a way and you know the handling of the bike and doesn't get that rusty like you say, I think she she definitely can be someone that that will be fighting for a couple of podiums and maybe even wins. Yeah, I agree with that. That's also what I was kind of hinting towards. I mean, she was missing something and that was just the rhythm. And it's not strange. She hasn't been on the cyclocross bike, I think, for two seasons now or at least one for sure but i mean Foss also had serious issues i mean Foss looked strong in my opinion she had the power but i mean on that steep hill though she was struggling with shouldering her bike standing still while shouldering the other time she just tried to to hold her bike next to her trying different sides i mean in the last two laps, she was almost a moving chicane there. I mean, she got past left, right and center. And that's also the only time Voss got in trouble. I mean, Brandt at some point attacked and Voss was there. And on that climb, Voss was blocking Voss. And Brandt could open a gap, but Voss came back. But there you could really see that Voss, I mean, we already saw it last year. I had hoped it would have improved as she's working with Lars Bohm. Or at least Lars Bohm is working within SD Works. But so far, no proof of that. Yeah, I thought there was uh, quite some talk about her improving her cyclical-specific abilities, but uh, they were hard to spot uh, this race, so hopefully it will come as uh, she gets further into the racing for the season. Let's talk about that last lap then, because the last lap was really amazing. Great battle between Brandt and Foss. Now, I don't mention Betsema. I mean, Betsema was there, but Betsema was already dropped. And then came back and let's first talk about Betsma. Betsma rode a really weird last lap. It's just uh, the moment they go into the last lap, you're, you're right. They, they were free, but like you, you kind of know that Betsma is going to 
come for her because she doesn't have that killer instinct of finding the right moments to get to the front and then putting it down and creating that gap that she needs to avoid sprinting against the other two. Yeah, I have to agree with that. And I mean, it was also very weird the way she, she placed herself up front on the place that she shouldn't have been up front, I think. Um, and then after that, she didn't really try to, to do anything. I think that the pace was low enough to try something. Uh, even if you're like, have, even if you have no energy at all, you're you're still able to place yourself in a decent position. And you know, sometimes like I'm not saying that she could have been second or she could have been first, but I definitely think that she could have tried a little bit more. And uh, it was almost like she knew that she was, you know, she had no sprint, and she was like, well, then I'm not even gonna try my hardest. I'm just gonna be here for my position. Uh, and try to be a little bit more in front for the safety more than for position. In my opinion, it was also weird when they went through this part of the woods. There was one clear racing line and Brand was coming around the outside. And instead of sticking to that racing line, leaving no other way to go for Brand, she goes off the racing line, opening the door for Brand. I mean, it's just not something you should do, but it provided us with a great battle after that. Brandt and Vos jockeying for position. Ultimately, Brandt went into prime position, I think. She was at the front in the right moment. And then we came to this last steep hill. And she was either completely done or she tried to do a trick because she could barely make it up this hill and then ultimately got out-accelerated by Vos. I have to admit, at first I thought this was a trick. It's a trick that if you barely make the top that the rider after you needs to... Um, unclip and then loses the position but when I looked at it again personally I don't think this was the case because the way Foss was able to accelerate after that and Brandt wasn't, Brandt immediately looked back where is Betsema and then Brandt also didn't even try to pull alongside on the bridge I think Brandt was really done and the way that um, the, uh, that Marianne Vos actually positions herself to that hill her line it's I thought it was really smart, like she accounted for this trick by choosing like a slightly different line that she could keep the speed regardless of what Brandt was doing. So like I, I think it was just also very smart racing by her and they really pushed each other to the limits there. Yeah, definitely. I think it was great to watch Voss ultimately taking the win in front of Brandt, Betsema, Neff, Worst and Voss. Clausel ending 7th. Very, very strong race by Helena Clausel. Surprised to see her in 7th place. Puck Peters ended 8th, Yara Kastelein in 9th and Rochette in 10th. I already mentioned Clausel just now. I think you guys feel probably the same about her performance as I do. It was really strong and I expected her to fall back a bit further like Rochette did after a very strong start. But yeah, she just kept a very solid 7th place, kept on coming back in the race and it looked like she might just be able to get a top 5 there. Definitely, ultimately she just fell short. Some interesting facts by the way about Foss. She was riding on a Chevelo crossbike which hasn't been released yet. We do not know a lot about that bike but Wout van Aert will also be riding that this season as far as we know she also claimed another world cup victory and this victory puts her on top of the all-time um, world cup victories and she was already on top but she was tied with Katie Compton now she is on top by herself well I would also like to talk about the riders in 10th 11th and 12th before we round off this episode 
Rochette in 10th, I think a solid result by her, but a surprising result by another Italian, Gaia Realini, ended 11th. Yeah, I expected a little bit more from Rochette, not gonna lie. I think um, she started very fast and very promising. I thought that that would maybe, you know, bring her into a top 5 or a, a, a solid top 10. In the end, she finished 10th. No bad result, definitely not, but... You know, I, I thought that maybe she could have been ahead of uh, Petersen Kastelein, but it is what it is. Uh, but the, the Italian Realini is, you know, definitely a, a, a very, very promising result. And, um, uh, you know, someone that only 20 at the moment, a solid result and something, someone we maybe going to see a little bit more in the under 23 um, races. Yeah, that would be the championships then. I think we can see her there. I think this is very good result by her something she can build on and as Twan already said in the after the men's race hopefully something we can build on Honsinger in 12th final touch upon her this is kind of where I expected her this parkour was just too fast for her because the woman's raced in bone dry conditions she had a terrible start as well you know how you have like the life ticker it's it's a bit useless sometimes but for Honsinger I think I saw her like down in like 30th place, like all in the first lap. Like the starts are just absolutely terrible, and it's unfortunate because she has a lot of talent in those legs. Hopefully, she can improve a bit. The next course in Fightville, Arkansas, should suit her a bit better. We're going there on Wednesday. There will be a preview podcast coming up to that as well. I think we've covered everything here for the Cyclocross World Cup in Waterloo. Twan and Isam, thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me on. Thanks. The next podcast is the preview podcast of the World Cup in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Catch you guys then. Goodbye.